everybody, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. This is episode 19 for Saturday, May 13th, 2017. And for this weekend show, Ben is doing a one-on-one interview with the one and only Brad from Fix This, Build That. If you're on Instagram, you already know who this guy is. If you're on YouTube, you should already know who this guy is. Fix This, Build That is a really awesome Instagram-based blog about DIY and woodworking. If you guys love Design Talk, this is going to be a really awesome episode. So check it out. I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Ben, take it away. All right. So welcome to another weekend show interview. I'm here with Brad from Fix This, Build That. Uh, I've been following Brad mostly on Instagram uh, for a while. He has really great tips on woodworking and in general just on making things. I think the first project that I saw of yours was like a downdraft table. Yeah. Um, And he's like one of my go-to sources for really looking at projects that are going to make my shop more efficient. Think ways to set up different jigs and... Uh, different ways of just uh, of making making better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the the shop projects. I love those. I'm doing some of the furniture as well, but the shop projects are also where I kind of took off and how I got into this thing in the first place. Like the flip top tool stand, which is one of my more popular builds. Yeah, it's got a planer on one side and an oscillating spindle center on the other side. That was the one where. You know, a lot of people are like, man, that's awesome. Like, yeah. Show me how to build that. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I built it for me. I can now show you. How. So what's, what's your sort of background? Because you seem to have like a very – I mean everything you sort of produce and now you're doing YouTube videos, which I think is awesome, but has sort of a precision. It's very well thought out. It's, it's like measured. It's consistent. Uh, it's not just sort of like <laughs> – yeah, you know, we, one of the last people we interviewed was uh, Jameson Rance from Rogue Engineers. I yep. think there's some similarities. I mean, what, what's your sort of like educational or professional background? Yeah, yeah, Jameson's a good buddy of mine, um, and I'm also an engineer. So by schooling, <laughs> mechanical engineering, <laughs> so it is. So absolutely. Uh, so going through college, I was learning like AutoCAD. So back in the day, AutoCAD like R14. Yep. I have no idea what they're on now, but <laughs> you know, now I use SketchUp. But um, yeah, so that's kind of been as I've gone through that mechanical aptitude as well as just the the eye and the, the precision because that's kind of how I was schooled and learned how to do things. And so, yeah, I'm always, one of the things I really pride myself in when I'm doing the projects is like optimal use of material. Mm-hmm. So when I do layout, if I'm going to do something that's like out of plywood, then I'm going to use like exactly one sheet of plywood. And like I have a lot of projects on my site that are half sheet of plywood. Right. So it's like you can buy two sheets of plywood and make four projects. Or whatever, and so like laying things out and getting things exactly right. Yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that. It's, it's really funny because so I mean, I see that what we're in is sort of being this like community of makers and woodworkers that all sort of share ideas online. And what I think is really interesting is that everybody kind of it's almost like this sort of takes a village kind of mentality. Yeah, where people bring different outside skill sets into these things as like almost like an unfair sort of unfair advantage or sort of like superpower. Um, and so we all sort of contribute. We all sort of watch each other's content, comments, uh, support, which is all nice for sort of touchy feelings and it feels great. But I think that what's really interesting from the sort of utility and the, the function of it is that there's so many different specialties sort of going on. Like, and I think it's awesome that you're taking your, uh, your engineering background and using it for, for, which is super helpful for someone like me that tends to be a little bit unorganized and haphazard. Like I 
not going to lie, I've used zip ties and duct tape <laughs> to clamp things down. It's Nothing like, wrong with that. I just sort of reach around and grab that. Um, you know, I'm more of a fly by the seat of my pants. So it's like, it's not like I watch your content and be like, oh, that's not me. I watch that content and be like, I'm not going to take all of it, but I'm going to take a lot from it. And I appreciate that you're investing the time to create this sort of service in the form of digital content that then helps me be 10 to 20% more organized, run a more right. orderly shop, real, and also just do things that I wouldn't uh, sort of calculate and do with that level of precision, like making a tool station that has a very small uh, tool footprint but can use two different things. And it's the uh, it's probably one of your better-known projects, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's probably my number one seller as far as from a plan perspective. And I get – it's really cool because what I have – uh, is, you know, on Instagram, uh, I've been on there since like 2013 doing that. So I've been on there for, for a while and, and got a great following. The people are awesome and they build that. And that's one of the things that I think is really cool is seeing other people build it. And then I always try to, you know, whenever I see it and they'll hashtag me or whatever, I'll see it. I'll be like, Oh man, that's amazing. And I'll share those as well. So I think that's part of, like you said, part of the community is not just, um, giving back in that way, but also like trying to highlight and show people and, and, and say, yeah, like, not only can I build it, but here's these other people that are building building it as well. So in one sense, you're, right. you're you're highlighting that person and you're giving them like a great day. They're like, oh man, this is great. You know, my stuff's getting published out to a larger audience than I have. Yeah. And and not all those people are content creators by any stretch of the imagination, right. um, which is kind of an interesting conversation for another time. But you know, right. is an Instagram account a content creator, or is that a blog, or is that you know YouTube? Because as all these platforms have have popped up, you know, you you have people creating content every day all the all the time but it's it's really cool to to see the community grow together and and you get projects that just resonate with people and that's probably the one for me yeah I, I, what, what i like about it is that you're you're problem solving for people that didn't know they had that problem yet until they see that there's a better <laughs> right. way right like yeah i have i have the same planer like you know i have some of the same tools and when i saw that i was like Wait, why are all my tools store crammed into a closet that I have to lug out <laughs> when I could have done it? So, uh, how do people find that project? Yeah, uh, they can go to uh, fix this build that forward slash flip top. Fix this build that dot com forward slash sorry dot yeah. com forward slash flip top. Yep, you yep. forgot to put the http. Yeah, yeah, the http. www. That's right. Google fix this build that. Yeah, flip top. If you Google flip top tool stand. I'll be the number one search result. So flip top tool stand. Yeah, it, it's, you got it. it's, it's pretty good. I think whether, you know, I, I think we're moving, people are getting more stuff, but probably, you know, man, a lot of people still live in suburban type things. I live in an apartment. Um, so when I see those sort of, there's more interest in tiny homes more than ever. I think there's also more interest in making it, but still so many of these woodworking and making tools are still marketed and built around the assumptions that people have these massive garages. Right. Yeah. That the ubiquitous, you know, New York 20 foot by, right, right. 20 foot by 20 <laughs> foot garage space. Yep. And you know, it, most of these tools, even the benchtop ones are still the size of a small appliance, the size of a microwave, they're the size of a dishwasher. So really thinking of how these things are stored, how they're efficiently operated. The other thing that I like is that you'll show how to make, affordable, cost-efficient jigs and guides and sleds and stuff that work with and get more value out of relatively affordable, like, contractor-grace right. tools. Like, Am I correct in saying you wouldn't really consider yourself like a fine woodworker or 
Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting because as I started woodworking, uh, I got into like the first project I did. I, I took a class at my local woodcraft and I just made a little serving tray, a little walnut serving tray with like a an oak bottom. And then the next project I made was a full craftsman uh, coffee table with like mortise and tenon joinery and like the whole nine yards out of like white oak. Right. Um, which, you know, you'd say, okay, that's, that's fine woodworking. Right. And so it was kind of like, I went from, from zero to 60 and I was just like, boom there. And then I kind of backed off. And so I don't do, you know, so it's kind of interesting the fine woodworking conversation, but I like to kind of be a mesh in between. So I'm not doing like, I don't build everything with, with mortise and tenon. Like I build a ton of stuff with pocket hole jigs, but I like to have the fusion between that. So where I'm trying to hit in the content world is those folks who have built something and just out of like two by fours, you know, the dimensional lumber from the Home Depot. Uh, and then they see people working with walnut or cherry. And so a lot of my projects will have like a base that has pocket hole joinery and it might be made out of pine. Um, it might be painted. It might be made out of poplar. And then for the top, we'll do like a walnut top or a reclaimed top or something like that and use a joiner and a planer to break down that material and dimension it and, and basically show you know, it's kind of that next right. step. Here's what you could do if you add those extra tools into the mix. Yeah, it, it's what I like about – it's what I think is really interesting talking to people with a professional engineering background. They get into the sort of DIY making space and the content production because they tend to be very rational and agnostic about these yeah. things, right? They don't they don't treat woodworking as this, like, holy cause, but they still appreciate it for its finer points in a very, like – clear-headed way where you're just solving problems. Sometimes those problems require walnut and precision. Sometimes they require two by fours. <laughs> Sometimes they just require plywood used to hold tools together in a space saving yep. way. And I think that's, I feel like those, you know, people like you and Jameson that, that have that sort of engineering background are always so refreshing to talk about because you don't get lost in esoteric kind of conversation. That's not real woodworking. That's it's, not, exactly. It's always like, absolutely. what are we trying to accomplish here? Oh, we're trying to make something right. nice? Well, okay. it's, it's, I get from a more utilitarian perspective, right? How am I going to get this done? And also, not only from how can I do it, but how is the audience? So my big thing is inspiring people to get into woodworking and make things and to, to get into that journey a little bit deeper, so my thing's not about to show off how good I am at cutting dovetails or anything right. like that. Mine's more about sharing and connecting. And, th- and there's a much larger audience that's still just, just getting into it. And right. They're seeing it. That they've seen something. They've got a little taste of it. Yeah. And they're like, what's next? I'm not going to be the guy that's going to show you how to do that you know, super elaborate project where you're doing everything by hand. Like That's never going to be me. Um, but I do bounce back and forth between more DIY and more woodworking. That's like my website says woodworking and DIY projects. Right. Because I think there's a, there is from a connotation, there's a, a difference between those two, I think. So wh- what I like about that approach is that you're, it's, it's a very service focused approach where you're always looking for how can I be of service? How can I produce something that other people will find useful? How do I, how do I just show, how do I communicate very clearly with good amount of detail, how to do something that most people, most people wouldn't know how to do or would find just generally helpful in achieving all sorts of making goals. Now, that being said, I'm sure there's times where it's not like we're always walking around seeing problems, right? So what's your sort of version that you sort of experience when you sort of have like a creative block or like the writer's block? Is it because you can't, you have an idea, but you can't really see, it's not really quite useful enough or 
it's a gig that would cost more than the one to buy. Like, what are the things that sort of hold you back or do you find sort of frustrating? Yeah. Um, I mean, one you just hit on for sure is like, you know, there's, there's some memes about it, right? Like, you know, why, why buy that, whatever, why buy that table for a hundred bucks when you can spend 280 bucks, uh, making it yourself. Right. <laughs> so it's like that investment, right. Where it's like you, you can do stuff. It, a lot of times it, it's more expensive, right? right? Because you don't have the, the scale and, you know, the ability to do stuff on the cheap. You're doing it by hand. Now you can invest the time and labor, right. right? And that's the free stuff. But still the, you know, the cost is, is quite a bit versus what you buy manufactured because they have the economies of scale. They can get it down. If you're going to get something right. from Ikea, right? right? You just can't do that. But, uh, so that's sometimes I look at it and I'm like, Oh man, like if I told, like I made this, I made this mirror, I made a, a nine panel mirror. Mm. I was just talking about this and it was, it was for a company. And so I was using, uh, stuff from the millwork right. aisle and, and a lot of that millwork stuff is, is super expensive. Yeah. Like my linear foot <laughs> yeah. is like five bucks a linear foot. Like yeah. I put all the materials together game when I like looked at it and it like, plus the, the mirror. So I had like a nine frames. Like it was like three hundred dollars or something. So right. I was like, "But yeah, why buy the mirror for one hundred fifty when you can DIY it for three hundred? Right? And <laughs> it, it's it's great to laugh about those things, but it's 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 the challenge, right? Because it is, and, and I find is, that hard sometimes. Right. That, that's the block. Is that man? You got to you have to figure out how to get around that so that it is actually something not only that people will do it because to be able to say that I made it, but actually that it is a better alternative than buying it, right? right? And, and what I hope to sort of communicate to the audience in, in these sort of interviews that we do is that there is no bulletproof approach, right? Whether you're approaching from the sole perspective of an artist being like, I'm going to create something. It doesn't matter how practical because it's like one of the kind and it's beautiful and it right. just deserves to exist and no one's seen this before. Well, the limitations of that are that it's really hard to make something that unique. And it's really hard for other people to see a vision that idiosyncratic and one off. Uh, from the sort of very practical sort of engineering sort of approach, you then have these, you start to, you operate by a series of rules of like looking for utility and like rational ways of thinking and organizing your thoughts and then setting project planning and and putting a really clear process. But then you, you can be defeated by the own rules that you're sort of writing out. Um, And I think what's, uh, and this is why it's such an awesome time to be getting started in woodworking or makings because you have so many different people approaching it for so many different directions is that no matter what your sort of your bent is or what your sort of uh, intuition sort of leads you to sort yeah. of creating or designing or building, there's someone out there publishing their struggles and their challenges for it. So do you ever feel that like sometimes you just kind of make something really like whimsical and crazy? Yeah, and just, like, I, I do. Eliminate that kind of. <laughs> I do. That's yeah. That's like I don't want to be in that box, but at the same time, like what you're saying, you know. So what I when I sit back and think about the stuff that I built, like my stuff is is very uh, utilitarian. There, there's nothing like crazy sexy about it. But one of the things I I try to do is put a, a, a spin on it or make something that's just a little bit better, make something a little better or a little bit different design in, in the piece. Um, but it's still to your point, you know, it's still like, Oh, it's kind of utilitarian. So it's like, and it's not the stuff that goes crazy. Mine's more about, um, you know, so mine aren't going to like blow up on YouTube because they go viral because I made, you know, a sofa table or an end table because typically my stuff's going to be straight lines and I don't have the design acumen that, that you guys do. So yeah, sometimes I do think like, man, I like, 
I just need to like go outside the box and just like make something crazy that will have that I would never make on my own, but it's like, and, and it might be a piece of art per se, yeah. or, you know, something that I'm not going to use like, Oh, we need a sofa table. I should build a sofa table, right. but build something that we don't need at all. <laughs> well, I think one of the, one of the interesting, like uh, one of the interesting ways that an engineer can create something that's like visually blows people away is through sort of the repetitious application of like a regimented simple piece of like math, right. Or geometry. Uh, so it's like my most visually compelling piece, probably the spiral staircase is really very simple from a geometry standpoint. It's just like 12 pieces of plywood repeated, but in that repetition becomes a a complex geometric pattern that is very mind blowing. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's funny when I used to always hear people say, uh, that, Oh, that, that shape or that furniture design that's organic or that's very rectilinear. When really, like, a lot of things that we think of as organic in nature are really the result of actually very simple mathematics repeated mm-hmm. at a like, scale that's very zoomed yeah. out. Like, a, like a Nautilus, you know? Like exactly. Nautilus, like it's all just the, the geometry of the, of the Nautilus shell. But, yeah, as it expands. So I think that's, like, one, one would be, like, a really interesting thing to see you explore is where you sort of say, huh, when I'm just, like, for example, see so just cut blocks at, like, a certain angle. And you know that if you just keep stacking those blocks at a certain angle, it's going to create a crazy wood spiral, right? Right. But then when people see that, they don't see all that it's a very simple geometry or angle sort of repeated. They just see crazy wood spiral and their minds are blown. Right. So I think like something like that would be a really interesting area for you to explore where you can uh, – not that I'm telling you what to do. You're doing fine. <laughs> but – I think that's like a way, though, where you can kind of bridge where you're you're still utilizing your competitive advantage and, you know, thinking sort of rationally, being a really good project planner, right? producing really buttoned up content, and also just being an excellent communicator and explaining how you got to the result that you did, um, but still providing the utility, in this case, the educational part of explaining a simple mathematical geometric concept right. and how it repeats, Um so I, th- I, I still, I'm, I'm, I think one of these days I'm going to like flip on your channel and, and see something. I get a feeling <laughs> I'll see something well, like that. It, it, you know, and, and that's great because like my mind just doesn't go there, right? And so it's, it's great to hear you guys talk from because you guys are, are, you know, listening to the podcast. You guys have the design perspective and it's great to get that, that third party coming in and influencing me. And that, you know, back to your earlier conversation about there's so many people doing it so many different ways and people's unfair advantages. Um, with every unfair advantage comes a disadvantage, right? right? Yeah. Your blind spot. And so like my blind spot is like design and and creativity from that perspective. Like I'm really drawn to, you know, shaker and craftsman, like straight lines, not to a lot of curves and stuff. But, uh, you know, one of the things saying that trying to expand out what I've been doing recently is looking at more architectural influence and see that. So like the, the next project I have coming out, I'm really excited about, is I took a truss design and put that into the base of mm. a sofa table. So it's a big four by four legs mm. and then took two by fours into the, basically a trestle stretcher that has a truss, like a very architectural truss that you would see like on the end of, you know, the front end of a gable of a house, of like nice. a log home or something like that. So it's got that nice triangular and trying to figure out, you know, because I'm not super creative, like looking at those things in architecture that other people have already done. So I'm, I'm not going to create something new, but how can I take that fusion right. of the straight lines that I like, right. take the architectural piece 
and move that into a and piece. Right. And knowing that those straight lines are about funneling the loads in the right correction. They're not straight lines to create this sort of repetition, this beautiful skeletal structure, although that's what it happens visually. They're really there to channel the loads of, right. of, of the weight in a very efficient, linear man- manner. So you don't have any bending in the middle of a beam. Everything's transferred linear through the beam. Right. You know, I, but I think one of the ways that you might be able to sort of do that is I think like sometimes the I, I don't think that people are either creative or not creative. I think it's it's the ordering of the expectations for how they take on a project often, right? Like so if you sort of think of a project like, oh I have to make a table, right? Then you're automatically you see the endpoint and you're looking at the fewest steps to that. Right. Where is your? Where if your if your project goal wasn't a comp, if your assumption to starting designing a project wasn't a table but was like a curve thing, and then you figure out a cool way to make the curve, and then you say, now how do I turn this curve? In? You suspend the goal for just a second so that yeah. you get to like an innovative concept in making, and then you transform that concept into the practical thing because you're like so clear headed that you're always. If, if, if I gave you a big, you know, jumbled pile of rebar and said, turn this into a piece of furniture, you would figure out a very logical way to do it. If I said, create a jumbled pile of uh, a really crazy mess of, of steel, you would probably struggle for, for no reason. That's the part where you'd probably struggle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it might be that, right? <laughs> okay. Can you trick yourself <laughs> to like suspend outcome expectations right. for like the first part of the project to sort of work your way into like a crazy geometric thing that right. you then trust that you can then rationalize into a very functional piece. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's kind of interesting the way you say that, because it's kind of how I approached that build or that, that the trust table that I was talking about, because I saw the trust design right. and, and, and I was like, I've seen it a lot of places, but the place that I saw it, I was like, Oh man, it was when April Wilkerson did that carport for her parents oh, yeah. and she had the same design yep. the, that in Gable, that's the design. And I was like, that's a really cool design. And then I thought, how could I use, where could I use that? So I didn't like, we don't, honestly, we don't need a sofa table, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I looked at it and I started, I threw it in a sketch up and I said, well, what about a trestle kitchen, you know, a trestle right. table, like a full scale boy. What happens is that that feature gets lost because of the, the width of the top. Right. So then I said, well, what about a desk? So well, same thing mm. because I had on the back for your leg room. And so as I started kind of riffing on that design and plus you need something wide for that to work because like on an end table it's it's it, there's not enough space for that to to really take impact and then I thought oh well a sofa table would be perfect cuz it's tall so you can see you know underneath there uh and it's it's wide uh in length but not in depth mm-hmm. so it's the centerpiece of that design can show off and I think that that you know for folks out there like myself who are more just straight line oriented is like taking something and then applying it into different in scenarios. So like you said, you know, kind of suspending, like I'm not making a table, but I really like this piece of architecture, this piece of organic, whatever that I came up with and now see where it fits best. Instead of trying to smash something into, I've got a table, I got a kitchen table to make. How am I going to make this look cool? You know? So I guess from that perspective, you know, just kind of talking through it, I did kind of give myself some free form. Yes. Like I said, right. you know, we don't really need a sofa table, but like a console table, but it, it'll look nice. Well, and, and, and like how many times, I mean, I, I, I drove down, we're, me and uh, Brad are in Atlanta right now for a Home Depot event. And, uh, we've been playing a lot of power tools and we're going to do a little uh, community service tomorrow yeah. and help, help out some people in need, uh, fixing up their houses and stuff. Um, but I drove down here from Boston and I actually drove by a bunch of like old sort of iron truss bridges, right? Like yeah. for, oh, yeah. for railroads. Yeah. 
and you know the old sort of iron ones that are riveted together yeah, and i was, I was like I, I, I love the way those look i've always just liked the aesthetic of these like crazy uh trussed up uh steel bridges and i was looking at it, i was like that's beautiful and it's elegant and it's like delicate and industrial all at the same time but none of it was created to be those things it was created just to effectively transfer exactly. forms uh or uh, uh loads and stuff like that and yeah no i think i think that there i think that there's it, it's funny how we label ourselves right and like often like people with an engineering background don't label themselves as creative and people with like a, a really design or uh, artists sort of background don't label themselves as like practical or that, but really we're all like a pretty mix of that. It's just, we have like a priority for how we approach things. Right. Um, and it's awesome. Every once in a while we can just see a little bit of a glimpse yeah. <laughs> of a path <laughs> that still fits within our personality and what's like efficient for us to be prolific to sort of, you know, branch out a little bit and I think those end up being some of you know some of our, yeah. our best projects. Well that's how you grow too, right? I mean that's where I think that knowing and you know kind of the recurring theme here is like knowing your blind spots yeah. and, and knowing what you're good at but 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 growing those other areas and that's something I am trying to do is is like you said, you know, take so maybe not worry about so much being creative, but how do you take things and of dissimilar, right? So this was really made for this purpose. But I'm going to use it in a different situation. So, right, right like so the the truss design of this table, <laughs> I don't need it to support you know a thousand yeah. pounds <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's it's purely for design, right? So taking it out of its out of its nature uh, of what it was designed to be from an engineering perspective and putting it right. and making a design element. That yeah, I, I think there's some growth there, and, and hopefully that'll lead to just being able to take something and then you know modify it. So. Like that would be the next step. Is like so. Is this is this that. project? Will this be available on your YouTube channel? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing a, a video for it. Um, it'll be out here in uh, the next couple of weeks. So and then you'll also do out. plans for it on your plans website. Plans for it. Yeah, plans for it. And um, and then I always so obviously we talked about Instagram. I'm always doing the stories and showing the pictures yeah. of it as I go along. And your Instagram is also great. You do a lot of sort of like. Uh, you really sort of like serve the community in your Instagram. You post other people's stuff. You have sort of like daily themes for a lot of your posts. Um, yeah. So like if you like woodworking, you'll like your <laughs> Instagram. What's your Instagram handle again? Just fix this, build that. Awesome. Yeah. And the, one of the other things we always like to ask people is there's so many people out there listening that are just getting started, maybe don't have a full shop set up yet. So what are some of like the things that are under like 20 bucks that you find like really useful? They could be accessories or tools. Just what's something under 20 bucks that's a really useful item that you use? Yeah. And so I was thinking about this and, and now I find the answer really funny. Um, it's an engineering square. So. <laughs> there you go. So what's that? It's like a, a metal machinist, one? Yeah, machinist. Some people call it engineering square, but machinist square. So yeah, just a heavy metal base, but it's just a right angle, right? So I use that a lot for... Um, instead of using like a carpenter square, mm. but I'll use that if I'm setting my table saw blade. So make sure I get my 90 degrees, uh, but more so like when I'm joining up things, checking for square on a drawer after you've made it and stuff like that. So it's just a nice, it seems a lot more sturdy because you can't knock it over right. as much. It's got a nice heavy base uh, and then, you know, you get that perfect right angle. So I, I think, you know, if you're building, getting stuff together and, and making sure that you've got your, your right angles, right? If, if you're doing square things, making sure everything's square is going to save you a lot of time and effort and especially on your machines, because I don't know if you've ever 
made a 45 degree cut on your table saw and then you thought you took it back to 90 or you didn't quite check it to yeah. 90 or your miter saw especially. I make a lot of like 89.7 <laughs> degree cuts. Exactly. <laughs> I'm really so good at that. At that. that Machina Square is great for quick setup. I, w- I would highly recommend Machina Square. Awesome. Uh, and do they, you have a link to like an Amazon link for that or something on your website or anything like that? Yeah, and actually I think it's on there. Uh, I have a, a fixthisbuild.com forward slash tools is a list of all the tools I use and the stuff that that I have that I find really helpful. You know, a lot of it obviously is over 20 bucks, but uh, Machinist Engineering Square, Combination Square, stuff like that. Awesome. So I encourage you, if any of you guys are in the process of setting up a shop or getting back into the shop and, and improving and organizing things, fix this, build that is definitely one of the best resources to sort of get ideas for just how to get organized and run things more efficiently. Something I definitely need to do more of. I know that when I have a clean shop, the ideas flow more cleaner. You know, when you have a cluttered space, you can have a cluttered mind and uh, you do want to be a little bit of a minimalist and keep things sort of orderly. So definitely check out Brad's stuff. And Brad, thanks a lot for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Ben. And there we have it. Thanks a lot, guys, for listening. Thanks a lot to Brad one more time for being on the show. That is at FixThisBuildThat on Instagram. Same on YouTube. You should be following him on both. He's got a lot of great DIY, a lot of great projects. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. That is at ModernMakerPodcast. And check out the hashtag 2x4Challenge. We've been getting a ton of submissions lately, which is totally awesome. And there's still plenty of time to build something if you want. Submissions are open until June 1st, so get out there, go grab two two 2x4s, and make something cool out of them. I'm not going to take up any more of your weekend. Thanks a lot, everybody, for watching. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, review, Instagram, all that good stuff, and we'll see you next time on Thursday with everybody, I promise, on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody.